filling every classroom with a quality ag teacher. That's everyone's concern. Maybe it doesn't really matter how we got there, but what can we do to support our teachers once they're there? That's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. All right, Kelly Claflin and Misty Lambert, welcome to Owl Pellets. Thank you guys for being here with us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started, and then Misty can follow up. Sure. Uh, I am a second-year doctoral student at Oregon State, but started my career in ag ed as a middle and high school ag teacher in Wisconsin, and then moved out west to complete my graduate work, including my master's, which I worked with Misty on. Yeah, so Misty Lambert, I'm an associate professor. I'm at Iowa State now. Uh, spent seven years at Oregon State, but originally a North Carolina agriculture teacher uh, by training. So uh, yeah, <laughs> excited to be on the podcast. Her boss is also on the podcast, so she can't say anything untoward. And she and she can't mute it either because she's just uh, a couple offices away. <laughs> wow, untoward! I'm not sure we. That's like the word of the day, Kate. Good one. I haven't even had all my caffeine yet. Just wait. Fantastic. All right, Kelly, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So this research came out of my thesis, um, and it really came from. As I finished up my teaching career in Wisconsin, we had more alternatively certified teachers entering the profession, even though we know in other states this was happening long before, um, just a few years ago. And as I was picking a research topic, I kept coming back to alternative certification because I was even replaced by somebody that came into the profession from um, industry. And there wasn't a whole lot out there besides some comparisons. So we wanted to look at how these teachers were being certified. Um, and we also want to look at if they were intending to leave because we'd heard some chatter about, um, well, they're not going to stay long. Like they're just going to come in, fill the position for a year and then a real teacher will come in, which Ooh, a real teacher. Yeah. Oh. It sounds sad, like, but Again, if we've gone through a traditional program, like they're infringing on our territory was kind of the messaging. And I didn't really like that. And so we looked at early career teachers, so teachers in their first three years in Wisconsin, and looked at how they were certified, as well as if that related to their intent to stay in the profession. Very cool. So when you're going back through here, what were some of the reactions when you reached out to some of these uh different teachers was there any did you get any comments back from them not really I think the only thing was um why because we also had a diverse group um I know you recently had a podcast on certification but one of the things is alternative certification isn't a comprehensive term and so some of these teachers that we considered alternative, and I'm doing quotation marks because they were traditionally prepared, they had added a license. And so 
they were just kind of surprised, like, I don't know where I fit, but there wasn't any really strong feedback. Um, but state leaders were excited to hear what the research said. So I think that's the best way as I start to wrap my head around just recently, we had this podcast and lots of discussion of, you can tell there are some visceral emotions about how this impacts people. And as we start to think about, there's never been a more important time for us to recruit and retain teachers of any kind that want to help and support my kids someday that are going to be in ag. So what are your big findings? So as we start to discuss, like for anyone listening to this, we've got to do better getting and keeping teachers. And so maybe it's good if we start with what are the big findings of your research? And then we can maybe wrestle with those and start to think about how those apply to each of us. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things was realizing that we had our traditionally certified group that was majority. They had gone through a bachelor's program in an ag ed department in Wisconsin. Um, but then we had this other group that was alternatively certified, again, with my quotation marks, because there's not a good definition. And we assumed that we would see a group of teachers that were hired by a district and then went through an alternative certification program through an um, educational service agency or a third-party program. And then we have this new type of licensure in Wisconsin, an experience-based license, where if you were coming from industry and could show that you had occupational experience and enough pedagogical experience, and a district want to hire you, you could get a license. So we expected those two categories. But we found that there is a handful of teachers that had sought out an alternative certification program before entering the classroom because they decided they wanted to teach. So it wasn't just this like, oh, on a whim, there's an opening or somebody called me and they need a teacher, so I better head down there. There was a group of people who had decided to become a teacher after working in the egg industry, um, sought out a program that was convenient, that um, was located close to home, that they could work full time while completing, um, and went through that versus a traditional program. That makes sense, though. I mean, I think here about the students and the folks that come in and are looking for ag ed degrees, and there are some serious barriers to people who already have a bachelor's degree and are in industry if they want to teach, and it, it makes perfect sense for you to want to go teach others once you have industry experience um, for, for several reasons. But going into that and... Um, looking at what your options are, well, go all the way back and get your, get a second bachelor's degree. You know, there's some major barriers there or get a master's degree where um, the amount of money that you're paying, you know, when you've been in industry and have been collecting income, it, it's really different. So I could definitely see why there, why there is that other group of folks there. So did you find, what differences did you find among those? Did you find any differences among those three groups? Uh, no, nothing besides how they were choosing to become certified. Um, our traditional group had all decided to become teachers as an undergraduate student, which makes sense in Wisconsin because that's traditional. Um, but otherwise, even for turnover intentions, there wasn't a difference. Um, they had across the board moderate to low um, ideas to leave the profession. So that's something too that we can't treat these teachers that we may not know as just a stopgap and that they're 
just going to leave, um, that they are fulfilling a need with our shortage of egg teachers. And we have a lot more to do to understand. And I have some other research in the pipeline coming out um, revolving around that. But how do we, how do we help these teachers and not just treat them as these teachers, right? Like we need to help all teachers. Well, so I think part of that goes to when we're, you know, if I'm a, a teacher and I'm thinking, how can I help them? I'm also need to be thinking, you know, and we get to that, like, what's in it for me thing. How can they help me? Because if I feel like there's more than just me being a service entity here and helping others, but that, that I can actually benefit from interaction with teachers that have been alternatively certified, suddenly that, that creates a little bit more ownership and um, the kind of effort that like a, a selfish jerk like me might put in into a relationship like that. Right. Yeah. I've definitely seen that happen pretty organically. I can think of some trainings that we put together. For example, in Oregon, we did a wood shop, a metal shop kind of workshop in the summer for teachers to advance their skills and working in those environments. And there was a teacher in the room who had been uh, the cabinet maker for the district for a really long time and some phenomenal woodworking skills but had never taught in front of a group of students where there were a, most of the teachers in the room were more traditionally trained teachers, some kind of bachelor's or master's degree to get their certification to teach, but with very limited uh, woodworking skills or advanced skills. And to watch the synergy in um, them talking uh, 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 this lateral entry cabinet maker through how they might teach safety initially to students to ensure that as they get engaged with all this different equipment, that they are prepared and safe to do that. While at the same time, he's advancing their cabinet making skills with tricks and pieces that he had learned in the industry over years that students would really need if they were going into the field to learn the things he knew. And the richness of that conversation, everyone was better from those people being in the room together. So, so to kind of piggyback off of that a little bit, my mind goes to thinking about induction programs and mentoring, as well as, you know, how do, how do we have to do business differently for summer ag teacher conferences and those kind of things. So as you talk, start thinking about the different ways in which uh, teachers come into the profession, how, what recommendations, suggestions do you have for uh, those areas? I would say don't automatically go to us versus them. Um, category because one, if we think about how we like to learn, we like to think that we have our own experiences, right? We don't want to be talking down to you as an adult, especially as an egg teacher, because we know all things, right? Um, but thinking about the nuances in that group, so who has kind of going back to the TPAC model, the technological, pedagogical, and content knowledge model from your last podcast on certification and thinking about who has the pedagogical experience, who has content experience, you know, some of your alternatively certified teachers have that pedagogy. It's a word I can never quite say, but they have those experiences. I'm just impressed that you actually referenced a previous podcast. So that means that you and my mother are are actually listening to these things. I'm, I'm impressed. That's the first, isn't it? I don't think we've ever had anyone actually reference a podcast in a podcast. No. Like a very inception right now. (laughs) I do like meta things, so the system will the system will start collapsing. (laughs) (laughs) So podcast in a podcast. I love it. 
Sorry, Marshall Kelly. I'm sure you're saying very important things here that I that I got distracted from. So you go right ahead and keep saying important things. Well, thank you for thinking that. Um, but <laughs> no, we can't just say like, well, we have our induction program that our students and our universities go through. Like, we can't help these other teachers. Well, why not? And I think where the difference lies is not with the teaching strategies, and it's not with the content. It's with AGED. It's with a three-circle model. It's with how do you fill out FFA membership? How do you prepare a CDE team? What is a CDE team? Because we also, another group we haven't talked about are those traditionally prepared teachers that have added an AG license or AG endorsement. So they might be teaching science or they, in Wisconsin, we've had health teachers. We've had foreign language teachers add AG endorsements. You know, they know how to teach. They know students. They want to be in the classroom but they don't know our world. So I think making that the focus more. Okay. So for the fun of podcasting, so for all the ag teachers that are driving around or driving home or wanting a little kick, you know, we have this, this model right now where I think there is some underlying bias toward, you know, if you did it right, you went through teacher certification. And here I am a teacher educator at NC State. So, I mean, this is, I'm talking about my own business here. But when I, if, if I put my principal hat on, the more I'm around students in this changing time, like I was just in a seminar today where a student was talking about their extension program and they were talking about how they literally never, they, they said a million times, I had zero farm experience until I stepped foot on NC State's campus and started becoming interested in ag. Um, and these, this, this person was even an FFA. And those students apologize for that all the time. Yeah. So in a world where we do not have that 1960s and 70s version where everyone's coming from a farm, could it be like, what's going to be the most limiting factor? So for me, there's four things you got to be good at. And one of them is the symbolic complexity, which is understanding your discipline, expertise. The other complexities are affective complexities. How can you deal with emotional people and connect. And then there's reflective capacities. How do you facilitate learning? And then how do you engage in um, experimentation complexity? How do you help people learn and engage? If I'm being honest, I think the, the biggest, you can only go as high as your weakest element. And I think a lot, right now, a lot of our traditionally certified teachers are leaving and their weakest element by far is their content knowledge of ag. And so what is easier to remediate content knowledge in ag or affective abilities to deal with and give good instructions and react to students. I just find that many times when I teach students, I'm teaching them all this pedagogy, but they have no context and it doesn't stick all the time because they don't understand what I'm talking about. And I almost would rather you sometimes get a degree in animal science and go work in the industry for three years and then have some kind of certification. Once you teach ag for a year or two, while you're teaching for the first year or two, let me be right there beside you as a coach adding these other elements. It seems to me that might even be a more effective model. So for the experts that did research on this, what what if that was the new model? What would be the result? Well, depending on where you are, 
that's similar to the model. So at Oregon State, our students graduate with a degree in animal science or egg sciences and then come through our one-year master's program, which to use a academic term, is more situated. Like they student teach and then we teach them how to teach and they have something connect to connect you. So I remember sitting through my teacher ed program, which was awesome, by the way, if anybody is listening. Um, but the idea that like we were writing curriculum and we had been in classrooms, but I had nothing to go off of besides of what I'd seen. Um, so I think doing it in the context or learning to teach as we teach, right? And we should be doing that. We are always learning how to teach. Um, but we're one of the few career and tech ed professions that does have traditional teacher prep. You know, industrial arts and health occupations for a hundred years have had lateral entry people coming in from industry to teach those. Um, so I think it's something that for us as teacher educators can be really touchy, right? We don't want to put ourselves out of business. Um, and there's some state policies and things that we have to abide by. But I think pairing that content expertise um, with all those other areas, and we're all good at different ones, or we are all at different levels. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that we should be talking about. But I don't have any direct recommendations at this time. I don't, I don't know that there's a best model. What I think is the more you can create a felt need to learn. And I see that whether I'm engaging with teachers who are walking in from industry, uh, they have an immediate help me solve this right now. Where do I find curriculum for this? Or this is the classroom management challenge I'm facing. Um, I see it from when I'm visiting student teachers in a traditional program and I go out and they're like, okay, I've got this kid who's unmotivated, help me. And my, in my head thinking, we'd spent two days talking about motivation of students. And you, you could go to that teacher ed place. Like, I know I taught you this. It does not matter until there's a place to hang that information, until there's a felt need and a strong desire that it's actually answering a problem that you have, which is why I think back on my teaching career and some of the best professional development I went to happened when it was just in time professional development. It was helping me solve the kind of issue I was having right at that moment. And I think that's how we make ourselves relevant. Not necessarily should it be a one-year add-on or should it be a master's or should it be lateral entry people that we pull back in after field experience? It's thinking about the professional development or the engagement or the solution making as it's connected to the problem. Well, and I think you go from here, and I think you hit it there earlier, Kelly. I think you're the one that said it is we've got to get away from this. One is better than the other. There's a better way to, to do this. It's, it's about from what I see from your research and what you saw, there was no difference based on how the teacher was certified about their intentions to stay in the career. But yet we know that we have, we have a need for teachers. So that tells us that the way t teachers enter the profession is not necessarily the difference between why they stay or why they go. But yet I think for us, for all of us that are either teacher educators or uh, state staff or teacher leaders, our job is to go through there and figure out how do we meet the needs of our teachers regardless of how they got there. I think we, we've, we've gone through, we really like nice straight lines. We like, you enter the system in point A, you work your way through and you come out at point B on the end. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, how, how many 
students, this when all of us taught high school or even now with our college students, how many of them know what they want to do? They, they don't. I mean, we're expecting, you know, 18, 19 year old kids to be able to make all the decisions which they don't know now. And we have to find ways to, for people to come in and out of the profession more easily and, and um, be prepared to do that. And so much more of a mosaic rather than this straight line factory model that we go through there to make this thing work. For sure. And I think higher ed was designed in an area in an, in an era of time where the factory model was, that's how we built school systems, everybody in, you know, group them date on based on their date of manufacture. But what we have now are at the point that teaching ag becomes something you're interested in is the point where we can make some impact. And sometimes that point of you being interested in teaching ag happens in high school and it's an easy path straight through either the community college and or the university system. But it may be a point where you're already hired to teach ag. And that's the point. It may be the point where you're in a teaching position, teaching science or a foreign language. And that opportunity comes up. And we even in this study found someone who they'd completed a DVM. They had their vet degree and decided teaching ag was where they wanted to go. Um, that's the point of impact. That's the point of training. That's the point of intervention and problem solving. And if they're going to stay in the profession, it gives us a window to help. Uh, they're not necessarily more likely to leave, but it does challenge uh, the model of everybody in at point A, and we're going to problem solve everybody at the same point. They don't have the same problems. They don't have the same issues. And it makes me wonder if teaching these pragmatic skills, like in teaching methods, when we're like, okay, everyone, we are going to practice a direction set right now for a direction or, you know, like, and then you have, well, have kids throw paper balls at each other while they're teaching something to each other. And then, you know, you just have no context. So it makes me wonder too, just with all of this, if, you know, those in the traditional track, if we shouldn't be focusing just more on philosophical and building their capacities to think and problem solve and understand how people's brains work and understand strategies. And, you know, I just think we are so pragmatically grounded. Like in this class, you will learn to fill out a record book, but Oh, it, it just is crazy. Cause we spend all this time on it. And I, every time a year later, I really wish that we would have learned about how to fill out the state degree application. And I'm like, remember assignment 12? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it hurts me deep down in my heart as a belief driven person. So I just wonder like this conversation is great for the idea of like, we need to be open to all of us have gaps, traditional or not. Like you either don't know about animals or you don't know about pedagogy or you, none of us are ready when we go out. But I think it also makes us, so A, it helps us appreciate all those people. But B, I think it makes me think like, should we really be rethinking how we're creating? Like, why couldn't my course be created in a modular form that anybody in service could consume as a MOOC, as a massive open online course? If, you know what? I don't remember how to do X. Oh, well, great. Well, there's a million land grants and maybe the land grants need to be working together to start to do this just in time training or a you know, it just makes me rethink our model is not built for where we seem to be today. I think it goes to transfer, right? We know our students in high school, they learn the scientific method in science class, or they learn how to write an essay in English, and then they come to 
say groom and we have them write a speech and they're like, I don't know how to do this. Um, the same as a little bit for our, our pre-service or teacher candidates um, that we need to help transfer like and make it more situated um, and have opportunities to refresh our knowledge like you were talking about, Marshall. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much. We, we chased a few rabbit trails, but they were all great conversations to go from here. This was an important research. So we look back here as, as it get, hmm, excuse me, got me all choked up. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, you found some really interesting things that all of us involved in, in ag education need to quit trying to divide us and, and that we're all on the same team here. And how do we work to really help each other become better uh, because teaching ag is a team sport, wear a helmet and have your partners next to you on this one. Um, and so we all need to be working together on this. So Misty and Kelly, thank you so much for being with us here today on Alpellets. Welcome. Thanks for having us. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Alpellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Al Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Al Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers. <laughs>